KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Matt Leon. We have done multiple podcasts on that controversial abortion law out of Texas that the Supreme Court let stand. Well, now we see California announce intention to use the framework of that law, but instead of focusing on abortion, Governor Gavin Newsom wants to target illegal guns. So what could this look like? Was this inevitable? Where do we go from here to talk about all of it? We caught up with Dr. Michael Moreland. He is a professor of law at Villanova University's Charles Widger School of law. So to start, I think most people are are pretty well versed, but if anyone's listening that that hasn't caught up on him, just give a quick recap of what the the controversial Texas abortion law that the Supreme Court did not stop. Uh what makes it novel? What what is what does it do? So the Texas law SB8 uh that went into effect uh prohibits abortion after detection of a fetal heartbeat, which is usually around six weeks of pregnancy or so. But unlike most abortion regulations, which operate uh, through criminal enforcement against uh, clinics and doctors, uh, this charges uh, individual private plaintiffs uh, to uh, be able to go out and sue anybody who helps to procure an abortion uh, with some damages that start at uh, $10,000. So it it sort of shifts all the regulation of abortion away from district attorneys and the prosecutorial system and to uh, private plaintiffs uh, who can bring these actions. And that's what uh, went into effect in Texas and what the Supreme Court uh, has allowed to stand. And this is really, we am I correct, we've never seen anything like this. Am I correct? I mean, there are some pockets of law where you have this kind of uh, private plaintiff enforcement uh, involving fraud on the government. Uh, some environmental statutes, for example, allow for for this. But it uh, it's unusual, to say the least, to give standing, as we say in the law, to give uh, power to plaintiffs to bring these kinds of claims when they themselves have not been uh, injured. So now we have California Governor Gavin Newsom, who says that he is directing uh, lawyers in his state to come up with a law to use with regards to gun control, kind of using the SB8 blueprint, kind of explain what he's what he's doing here. So Governor Newsom uh, has floated this idea that uh, you could use the same kind of mechanism to accomplish goals with regard to gun control so that. You could have uh, a law that would say that anyone who <clears throat> try, tries to buy or sells an assault weapon or a gun through a, a ghost gun kit through the mail or, or whatnot, uh, that they also could be subject then to a lawsuit by by anyone uh, in the state. We'll see if it actually results in any proposed legislation, but it raises this concern that was voiced uh, in the initial discussion around SB8 that uh, you have the ability now in all kinds of domains of constitutional rights, so freedom of speech, gun rights, uh, just as with abortion, uh, that you could have a kind of patchwork of state laws that would allow private plaintiffs to bring claims against people who then could assert constitutional rights uh, defensively in litigation, which is what uh, which, which is what has happened in uh, Texas, uh, but it leaves out the possibility of uh, of vindicating those constitutional rights, as it were, kind of offensively uh, in pre-enforcement challenges. Do you feel this was inevitable that once that law was kind of allowed to 
go into effect that because I, I did that was like one of the main things you heard in discussions of this. Well, what would stop California, or New York to doing it with guns? Uh, do you feel like this was kind of inevitable? I, I think once the debate got kicked off, you saw that uh, groups on on the left who were upset by what had happened in Texas saw that uh, what would be good for the goose would be good for the gander. I mean, the problem uh, from a kind of technical legal standpoint is that, and the Supreme Court addressed this in its decision last week, uh, is that uh, these these kinds of laws and SB8s, you know, the one we have now and we might have others later, but they're designed to kind of evade that, as I said before, that kind of pre-enforcement challenge or review uh, because you need kind of the right plaintiff and the right defendant. And that's what you didn't have in the litigation in Texas, because uh, as the Supreme Court said in its opinion, you can't enjoin, say, state court clerks from entering lawsuits. That's just uh, beyond the power of, of a federal court. And so it's this kind of loophole uh, in federal jurisdiction. Now, I do think that what we might see is, first of all, I think we'll see state courts in Texas and perhaps in other states that go down this path. I think you might see them deciding that these kinds of laws pose challenges under state law. But I also think it's uh, at least possible that Congress, uh, which has the power to kind of dictate what the power of the federal courts are in certain respects, that you might have Congress enact some kind of statute that would try to preempt these uh, efforts at the at the state level. This has the potential to, because you talked about with other constitutional rights, this could be a Pandora's box of a mess. I mean, just, you know, it, it, this hasn't been that long. We've already got California trying to do this. It's only a matter of time before another state tries to do. Do you think this was thought through from a Supreme Court standpoint, the, the window that was being opened? Or were, was there not really, you can't look at it that way when you're in that position? I mean, I think that uh, from the Supreme Court standpoint, if you read Justice Gorsuch's opinion for the court last week, I think they, the, the majority uh, at least, uh, feels constrained by what the precedents say about what uh, federal courts can do to interfere in operation of state law in this kind of context. Again, Congress could change that. Uh, there could be a tweak to the power of federal courts in that in that area. But uh, that said, I think that uh, there will be, uh, I think, as we said, there'll be other kinds of efforts like this. Now, I think it'll be interesting to see kind of from a political standpoint, uh, how much of a sort of tolerance will, will there be for this kind of thing? Will uh, people kind of rightly chafe at the idea of, say, free speech being chilled uh, as a result of uh, statutes like this? So we'll, we'll, we'll see what the political landscape looks like. Uh, and then the, the legal landscape, as I said, uh, is dependent on what the power of federal courts are. And as to that, at least the majority of the Supreme Court right now thinks that the federal courts don't have the power to interfere in this. What do you think, you kind of mentioned this earlier, but getting back to, you know, once again, California, there is no legislation. It's just Gavin Newsom kind of opened the door that this is what he wants. What would this law look like? Could you literally just kind of take out abortion, put in guns and, you know, almost cut and paste states and, and stuff like that? Or do you think there would have to be uh, a nuance to this to have it hold up that maybe the Texas law didn't need? Hard, hard to tell. Uh, one sort of footnote is that in the gun control area, there's at least uh, some, as as of now, some kind of 
uncertainty about what the contours of the Second Amendment right to bear arms look like, what, as in fact, the Supreme Court has before it right now, a case involving concealed carry permitting, uh, but what kinds of regulations are constitutionally permitted of certain kinds of weapons, for example, is, is still out there as a live constitutional question. So there's that sort of that dimension of it. But I think otherwise, uh, what you say is, is basically right, that I think you'll see efforts to just kind of drop in different kinds of disfavored constitutional rights. And then those who are sued can then defensively uh, assert constitutional rights uh, against those kinds of claims. And then uh, we'll see what state courts do with it. And then were it to get up to the U.S. Supreme Court, if it were a recognized firm uh, constitutional right, they would kick out the case uh, and the plaintiff would lose. But in the meantime, you'd have the, uh, as I said earlier, with regard to something like freedom of speech, for example, you could have kind of chilling effect on people's engagement in certain kinds of speech if they worry about potential liability. Let's say that legislation is drawn up and it tacks a similar way to what we saw in Texas and eventually works its way to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court has worked really hard to try to say they're not political, but if they allowed the abortion but found a reason for this, even if it was right on the legal grounds, that would not be a good look, would it? Well, I, I, as they said last week in the, the majority opinion, uh, there's no issue before them about the constitutionality of those laws. What was before them is what kinds of claims could uh, the, in that case, the abortion clinic providers bring against certain kinds of uh, state officials. So I, I know that's kind of a technical legal point, but on that technical legal point, I think that uh, the majority would uh, would. I think probably consistently say that once again, uh, if the statute's drawn up similarly to the Texas law, but just applies to it in a different context, that as as before, unless something has changed, uh, the federal courts and the Supreme Court are powerless to uh, enter injunctions against uh, officials who, after all, the whole design of the statute is those officials are not uh, part of the enforcement of the of the statute. And you can't, there's again, this is kind of a technical point, but you can't, inf- you can't issue injunctions against state judges and state clerks. That, that also exceeds the power of, of the federal courts. So unless Congress wants to change some of that, uh, I think that the majority of the court, uh, I suspect, would be consistently saying we're powerless to interfere with this unless someone brings us a claim where they're defensively asserting a constitutional right, but you can't bring it, uh, as, as I said before, in a kind of offensive manner. I'm looking 500 steps ahead here, but could we be seeing kind of the the birth here of like almost a fundamentally new way laws are implemented and and uh, enforced? Well, we'll see. Again, we, we have a little bit of experience with this in some areas where you have private plaintiff enforcement, as, as I mentioned earlier, but but not on the kind of scale that's being contemplated, at least in certain ways with, with regard to this. And that's why I, I do think that there would be at least some interest on the part of Congress uh, and, and giving the federal courts the power uh, where there's a constitutional right at issue and where you have kind of vexatious uh, interference with the exercise of those constitutional rights to uh, empower the federal courts to do something. It's just that under the current statutes and precedents of the, of the Supreme Court, uh, the majority's view is they don't have that ability. 
That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio in depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.